Welcome to NBA Storytime. I'm Jamel Johnson, and I'm about to listen to some tunes. Now, when you think about the NBA and music, what comes to mind? That's right, the accordion. The 808 of the 40s, which Celtic small forward Tony Lavelli demanded to play at halftime of NBA games. And I'll tell you why. Now sit back while I pump this squeeze box. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's your secret talent? Everybody's got one. Me? I'm really good with Zangief and Street Fighter. Don't know any of the combos, but I'll suplex fools for hours. Russian wrestling is always number one. I love it. They say do what you love, and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Tony Lavelli took that seriously, but that might have been the only thing he took seriously. Have you ever heard a song about Somerville? Somerville is my hometown. That right there is the original trap anthem. And like he said, Tony Lavelli was born in 1926 in Somerville, Massachusetts. His first love was music. Growing up, he excelled in his piano and accordion lessons. The only thing he couldn't do on the keys was make friends. Oh. At age 12, Lavelli began shooting hoops for an hour a day to impress boys his age the way his musical flair couldn't. And then he got really good at basketball. Some of you may like to know how tall I am. I'm six feet four inches tall, but I was born a very small baby. Turns out being 6'4 in the 1940s gets you halfway to the NBA. But Lavelli didn't just have a height advantage. Playing the accordion had made Lavelli pretty dexterous. While Tony's right hand slid up and down playing the 42 keys on a treble keyboard, his left pressed 120 bass buttons all while constantly working the bellows. you probably don't have a frame of reference on this, but trust me when I say that was very impressive and stupid sounding. Combine that deft motor skill with the long fingers he needed to work the instrument and Lavelli had everything he needed to develop a hook shot so good Kareem Abdul-Jabbar saw it in his nightmares. Kareem is also a noted medium. As with all hook shots, it was absolutely unguardable. He dominated high school ball and then went to that perennial basketball powerhouse, Yale, to play in college. Play the accordion, that is. Got that accordion scholarship. Lavelli's greatest desire was not to arc balls through a hoop, but, quote, to pick up someday in the musical comedy composing field where Cole Porter and Irving Berlin left off, end quote. Some solid song craftsmanship there by Porter still holds up. The Ivy League had no sports scholarships in the 1940s, so Tony had to play his way through school. 
Rocking the New Haven and New York nightclubs, Lavelli got paid to play and was in demand. Even hip college parties would drop some coin to hear Tony's dulcet tones. Can you imagine frat bros listening to the accordion? Is that what they listen to now? I'm actually not sure. But soon, Lavelli would be known for his basketball playing more than his music. Yale was a middle of the road even for an Ivy League team at the time, but Tony Lavelli changed that. The team won games they had no business being in, even making the 1949 NCAA tournament. By the time his senior season rolled around, Lavelli and his unstoppable hookshot was a two-time second-team All-American, a one-time first-team All-American, it led the nation in points per game, and passed the legendary George Mikan to set the major college basketball scoring record. He earned the nickname Rhapsody in Blue, you know, because Yale wears blue and he plays music. Well, it was still better than when they let him name stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, the name of that piece was the rock and rollum boogie woogum fanfare blues. Bob Cousy, yes, the star of Blue Chips, Hall of Fame basketball legend Bob Cousy, who played against Tony when Holy Cross played Yale, said Tony had the best hook shot I ever saw. It was a technically perfect shot and unstoppable because Tony would step away from the basket and then with his back to the basket, release the ball in a sweeping motion with his arm fully extended. He could do it from far out with either hand. Life Magazine called the shot the most spectacular offensive weapon in college basketball history. Born to note college basketball, pretty brief history at that point. It's only my third day out here. I don't know. <laughs> Now here's where I have to tell you about the Boston Celtics. These weren't your 17 championship having basketball royalty Celtics. 1949 was one year before Red Auerbach and Bob Cousy came to Boston and turned the team into a dynasty. These Celtics were struggling financially. With TV deals not coming around for another couple decades, Boston had to put butts in the seats to stay solvent. What better way to do that than by drafting a local kid with a golden shot? So the Celtics selected Tony Lavelli number four overall in the 1949 draft. But there was one problem. Lavelli had already started playing gigs at a hub nightclub called the Latin Quarter and was pulling in crowds. So the Celtics had to get creative with their pitch. Imagine if the Raptors drafted the weekend and then spent a bunch of time convincing him it was a bad idea to go on tour. Celtics owner Walter Brown eventually gave Lavelli a $13,000 salary, which at the time was huge, I might add. Mikan was making 17 grand for comparison. More importantly, NBA commissioner Maurice Podoloff drew up a special contract to pay Tony Lavelli an extra $125 to play his accordion for the fans at halftime. Not just at home games, but in every city they played in. He also would get two drink tickets. Lavelli agreed and during each game would rush back to the locker room, grab his accordion, and come out to wow the crowd with songs such as Granada, Lady of Spain, or Freak-A-Leak, while still wearing his jersey. Soon TV shows like The Ed Sullivan Show and The Jackie Gleason Show became aware of the accordion-playing baller and had him on their shows. Here is London Bridge. My interpre interpretation of London Bridge is played in different countries all over the world. Lavelli's fame grew. 
More importantly, the Celtics stock grew as attendance skyrocketed, potentially saving the franchise from folding. Tony Lavelli worked his way from the bench into the starting lineup towards the back end of the 1949-1950 season and averaged 17 points per game over his last 10 games. He was a star in the making, but he was unhappy. He asked to be traded after the 1949 season to the Knicks so that he could play accordion gigs in the Big Apple and attend Juilliard. That's not a bit. He only lasted with the Knicks one season, and after that he signed with the College All-Stars, the oft-rivals of the Harlem Globetrotters, and played with them until 1952. Then, after four more seasons, Tony Lavelli quit the game to travel the world playing accordion. The Tony Lavelli, one-man show, starring Tony Lavelli. Now here's Tony. Most of his one-man show was a vaudeville-style romp, mixing music and what he must have thought was comedy. At first, I took up the violin, then I switched to three wind instruments, two vacuum cleaners, and a bicycle pump. For a while at his shows, he'd put on his old Celtics uniform and show off his skills. But after a few years, he cut basketball completely out of his act and out of his life. I guess he was tired of people coming to shows and yelling, Hey, do a hook shot, bitch! Despite an accordion playing jock being an obvious chick magnet, Lavelli never wed. He was married to the music. In his later years, the gigs dried up, but he invested in real estate, collected mad beanie babies, and stayed ready for a possible return to the stage that never came. Lavelli died of a heart attack in 1998 at age 71. He may have wanted to be remembered as a musician first, but in his short time as a basketball player, Tony Lavelli perfected an unstoppable scoring maneuver, saved the Boston Celtics, and changed sports halftime entertainment. I really hope this story leads to Instagram basketball trainers making kids play accordion for no reason at all. Good night. listening to NBA Storytime. I'm your host, co-writer, and stretch three on the floor, Jamel Johnson. Harry Swartout is our producer, co-writer, and a man heavily invested in rec specs. Daniel Hardigan is our script editor and the guy who mops up after people who fall down under the basket. Haley O'Shaughnessy is our consulting producer and leading the league in bench points. Kevin Shepard is our production coordinator and the only one who makes sure we all get on the team bus on time. John Yales and Peter Moses are our executive producers, and they also insisted on calling their own fouls. Real good to you guys. NBA Storytime is a Blue Wire podcast. Catch you next time. <laughs>